The following program is an original WWE podcast. Coming up, I'll be talking to the Viper, Randy Orton, Rhea Ripley, and one of the baddest men in the business, WWE Hall of Famer, you might have heard of him, Stone Cold Steve Austin. ATB starts now. Welcome, everybody, to WWE After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. It has been quite a wild week, as all weeks seem to be, in WWE. By the time you are hearing this, we will be only days away from not only Survivor Series streaming live this Sunday on WWE Network, also NXT TakeOver War Games. We're going to hit on that a little bit later with our very special guest, one of the captains It's going to be next-level brutality. It has been a wild 24 hours. Uh, Full disclosure, we are recording this Monday morning, so if I am not reacting to anything that happens on Monday Night Raw, that is because Monday Night Raw hasn't happened yet. Uh, Had some scheduling things go on, making sure that After the Bell is delivered to you Wednesday morning, as always. I promise I'll play catch-up next week. But there's still plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about from SmackDown this past week. But I'm going to start with the elephant in the room, as I often do. The man whose name has been on the lips of not only everybody in the WWE universe, but the entire wrestling business as a whole, CM Punk. Punk reemerged, reappeared into the WWE space Tuesday night on WWE Backstage on FS1, hosted by my good friend Renee Young and Booker T., And it shocked basically everyone. I know I was shocked. I know everybody was shocked. And everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a thought. My thought is this. It is a great move by Fox. Fox wants to get viewers, wants to get eyes on FS1. What better way than putting the man whose name is still chanted in arenas worldwide, one of the most controversial superstars ever in the business, CM Punk, back on WWE backstage as a periodic reporter. I'm not entirely sure what the role is. I'm sure by the time this airs, he will have been on, and the world will know significantly more than I do at this point. This, of course, has fueled rumors and speculation aplenty. Is Punk coming back into the WWE fold? Is he going to compete again? Punk himself has said, no, he's not interested in wrestling anymore. But as his appearance alone proved... You can never say never in WWE. Uh, I've been getting a litany of tweets and Instagram messages asking my personal opinion on the matter. My personal opinion on the matter is that it is a great move by Fox. He is the 14-time World Heavyweight Champion, the Apex Predator, the Viper, and he will fearlessly defend the red brand this coming Sunday at Survivor Series, Mr. Randy Orton. Randy, what's up, man? Is it 14 or 13? Is it 14? I don't know. I thought it was 14. I gave you an extra one. You said 14, and I'm like, now, wait a minute, but that that might be right. I I honestly don't have a clue. (laughs) This is why Michael Cole is the stat guy, and I just make jokes and say funny things. You do a very good job at that. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll have to look at my stats when we're done with this interview and see, uh, besides my win-loss record, how many titles I've won. 
Well, my my producer just verified it is thirteen, but I'm 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 jumping ahead of things. You just signed a new five year deal. There are pretty good odds you're going to get that fourteenth reign. So maybe I'm speaking it into existence. I did sign a deal. I'm very happy. I got to ask you. I mean, prior to signing this new deal, your uh, your troll level one thousand on social media. Your game has been off the charts lately. Got the uh, the internet talking, speculating that uh, maybe Randy Orton was looking to dip his toe into uh, another sort of water. Was there any truth to that, or were you just having fun? Yeah, I was just having fun. And uh, I've been, more so now than ever, I'm more aware of other guys like uh, Will Ospreay and uh, other guys that work with Cody. And um, I'm, I'm watching a little more wrestling. I'm not in the WWE bubble as much as I've been for almost the last two decades. And I'm, I'm learning to appreciate other styles a little more instead of just quickly seeing something that isn't how I would do it or isn't how I would sell it. And, and, and I'm realizing in its own way, it's good. Um, this might be upsetting for uh, some people, but I never really saw myself leaving WWE. To me, it was about getting to a point where I'm happy and, and what I'm doing in my body, the, the amount of time that I'm, I'm gone from my family. In the end, it's, it's all going to be worth it. And, and, and that's, that's where I'm at right now. So I'm definitely happy being a WWE superstar. The fact that you've been able to stay not only in the game, but at or near the top of the game for, like you said, nearly two decades. What does Randy Orton accredit that to? What keeps you going? You know, um, a little bit of luck, a little bit of talent. Um, I, I, I don't know. I know that I've been given early in my career, I was given uh, multiple second chances. And, uh, you know, I'd get in trouble for it. There would be a punishment, whether it was, you know, timeout or, or fines. Um, but, but I would always come back. I am very consistent. I'm a guy that you can put in there with a ricochet, for instance, and, and I can possibly help out talent that, that needs a little bit of a push or needs a little bit of a, a change or has to, uh, man, there, there's so many things that I feel like so many young talent, and I call Ricochet young talent, he's been wrestling damn near as long as me, but using him as an example, there's, there's a lot of things that I feel like I could do to help guys like that, that are just awe-inspiring and amazing and can do things that I never could even dream of, but there's those little things that have helped me stay consistent. You ask what has helped me kind of stay consistent throughout the course of my career, and I think it's the little things. Because I think on TV, especially people at home, they pick up on those little things, and it kind of sets me aside and makes me different. And I think that's what helped me stay in the game so long. It's so funny you keep mentioning the little things. I was having a conversation before the show with my producer, and he asked what I meant by the little things because I was very complimentary of you being able to do that and excel in that field. It's almost like those little things are things that you can't verbalize or you can't necessarily say that's the thing, but when you see it, you know that's the difference. That's really what stands out. 100%. To me, the little things are like like I don't do well if i got to remember 150 spots. There doesn't need to be 80 false finishes in a Randy Orton match. And this isn't the same for everybody, of course, but me and my and my boots, when I'm in the ring, if I'm able to kind of just feel and listen to the crowd and see where they're going and, and kind of adjust accordingly, and then something comes up in the middle of the match, like if it's over by the table on SmackDown and you guys are sitting there and I shoot you a look and uh, like – you never know what's going to happen. And if you have everything kind of planned out in your head before you go into that ring, then 
there's really no room to be thinking on the fly or thinking about what you're doing as you're doing it, uh, at least to me. When I have a bunch of stuff I got to remember, I tend to do a lot uh, less of the little things because I'm constantly thinking about what comes next. My selling isn't as good. And, and I think that that would have to apply to uh, a lot of people where when they're thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next, there's, the, you know, you, you don't have the ability to kind of like sit back and breathe and live in the moment, you know, and, and it's and all of that can go into helping you tell whatever story you're trying to tell on TV. And sometimes those little things, they end up telling a story themselves, a story that was never planned to be told and the match is over. And then you, you, you get an uh, agent or a producer and uh, they're like, oh, you know, you did this and you did that. And did you know you were going to do it? Or like, oh my God, are you okay? The way you were selling your shoulder, like, I know you've had shoulder surgery before. I, I, I sent down the medic because I didn't know. And it's like, no, nah, you Mark, like I'm fine. <laughs> you know, there's, and, and it's like, to me, that's the stuff. That, that I'm good at, but, but it's hard because I can't go, Hey, tonight in Boston on raw, I'm going to do like 10 little things. You know, I might not do any, I might do three. There might be nothing like it. it's just, they kind of come up. And when you see them there, you, you grab the opportunity and you take it. And sometimes it's a win. Sometimes it's not like facial expressions, selling, like there's so many things that go into what we do. It's not just the moves. And I see a lot of guys now, man, they can do, they can do the moves. Like I never could, but, uh, but yeah, that's why I'm still here, I think, because I do those things and a lot of people don't. Well, you mentioned Ricochet by name. There's certainly a lot of young talent you've brushed elbows with recently. You've got Ali, Shorty G. It sounds to me like you're excited to sort of take on this mentorship role in WWE. Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, especially when there's a talent that um, wants it. When I first started and then I'd been here about a decade, and I'm not going to name names, but there was a couple guys that, hey, hey, can you watch my match? Can you watch my match? And it's like immediately you can tell whether or not they're just shoving their nose up your ass or if they're sincere about it. And I feel like a guy like Ricochet is sincere. Uh, Ali, sincere. Gable, sincere. But yeah, there's there's a whole slew of guys. And I could sit here and name a bunch of names and uh, just to, you know, give them props. But man, there's a, there's a whole slew of guys. And like Finn Balor, like he's amazing. I never really got to work with him. I know he's down in NXT now, but you know, here at least another five years i'm sure the time will present itself there, there's a whole bunch of guys that are just uh, amazing athletes amazing performers and good storytellers and hopefully i can get in there with a few of them and make them great storytellers awesome awesome i can't wait to see it now, personally I, I have a question for you who would you credit most as far as mentoring you on your way up you were lucky enough to be in the ring with basically a who's who of the all-time greats who are some of the guys that have really helped shape Randy Orton into who you are today? Triple H and Ric Flair, for obvious reasons, um, are at the top of that list. Uh, Shawn Michaels gave me a very hard time coming in. I don't think he liked me much. Uh, after about five years, things kind of changed, and, and I ended up learning a lot from him. Undertaker, uh, Mysterio, you, you know what I mean? Like I learned so much with Ray and, and John Cena. God, I hate saying it, but I learned a lot from that mother. I really did talk about slowing down and breathing and listening to the people. He, he was a master. He was a ninja at listening to the, the crowd and being able to tell where they were going to go. And I, I learned a lot from a lot of people. But those are the names that pop up in my head when you ask that question. Well, I could sit here and talk business with you all day, but I know you've got a lot of work to do at Monday Night Raw. But before you go, 
We're going to play a little game we've started doing here on After the Bell. It might be the worst segment we do. It might be the best. I haven't got a uh, true gauge as to whether or not it's a success or a failure. So I figure who better to try it out within the 13-time world heavyweight champion. Uh, I'm going to fire some questions at you that may or may not have anything to do with anything. Just answer them as honestly and quickly as you possibly can. We are going to put one minute on the clock. Randy Orton, you are in the electric seat. Big dogs or small dogs? Big dogs. Window or aisle seat? Aisle seat. Godfather or Star Wars? Godfather. Favorite beverage? Tito's. Top item on your bucket list? Finishing this uh, business and still being able to walk. Last time you cried? Oh, God. Probably when I've seen uh, Endgame and uh, Captain America grabbed Thor's hammer and was able to, to wield it. <laughs> I, I shed tears as well. <laughs> Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Wonder Years. The uh, Wendy from, from Wonder Years. Danica McKellar. Yes. <laughs> Describe yourself in three words. Uh, <laughs> those are the three three words. <laughs> Perfect. I, 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 I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the buzzer just went off. I like that. That might be the best description of anybody in three words. <laughs> Okay, that works. That works for me. All right, Randy. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Hopefully we get to do it again. I will see you this Sunday at Survivor Series. Be safe. Get to Chicago safely, and uh, I will see you then. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. Of course, we all know this Sunday is Survivor Series, but the night before also has a lot of people buzzing. Of course, I'm referring to NXT TakeOver War Games live on the WWE Network. We're going to see Finn Balor's in-ring NXT return against Matt Riddle. On the men's side of things, you've got the Undisputed Era, a couple of veterans of the war games, against Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and uh, somebody remaining to be named. As of this recording, I don't have an answer for you. I'm sure we'll find out this week, maybe tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. And for the first time ever, women will step into war games. We've got Team Shayna, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray from NXT UK against Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, and my next guest, the captain, Rhea Ripley. Rhea, how are you? I'm doing good, Corey. How are you? I am wonderful. I have slept so much, as we all do in the WWE universe. I am not tired at all, I swear. I'm not lying to you. Um, so you've got to be very, very excited about this Saturday, and we will get to that in a second. But to those that may not be quite as familiar, um, on Raw and SmackDown recently, they've seen your face. Give me a Cliff's Notes version as to how Rhea Ripley ended up an NXT superstar. Oh, man. Um, so pretty much I'm, I'm just going to say, like, I'm dedicated in anything that I want to do, right? Um, so as soon as I picked up wrestling and started watching it, I was like, this is definitely what I want to do in my life. So I started doing it at the age of 16 and just never really looked back. Um, I trained my ass off and I didn't stop until I was at the top. And now you see me on NXT and you see me on SmackDown taking over and yeah, I'm just, I'm just loving it. You know, it's what I've like wanted to do since being a little kid and I'm just glad that it's finally all coming 
coming around and I get to show everyone exactly what I can do. Now, what about this business and WWE in particular really attracted your attention? What drew you to sports entertainment or wrestling? So I was like sort of always a rough kid, right? (laughs) Um, I would like, I played every single sport that you could think of and I actually got shown a video of Triple H shoving a screwdriver in Ric Flair's head and all his white hair turning red and just, I I don't know what it was about it, but I just loved it. And I was like, I showed my mom, I showed my dad, and I was like, I want to do this, this is so cool. And they're like, what, what are you thinking? Like, you're ridiculous, no. Rhea Ripley, big fan of ultraviolence. Legit, though. <laughs> like, it's real bad. I think that's why like I'm so pumped for War Games because – I've never been in a match where there's been weapons involved. The boys back home, when they did the bookings and stuff, they didn't really want me doing that stuff because I was so young and they were trying to look after me for my family. And they just knew that I wouldn't hold back on anything. So to be able to be put into war games, which is like the first ever all-women's war games, which is incredible as it is, making history. But I have no leash. Like, I have no leash on, so I can do whatever I want. Well, it's got to be exciting. I'm sure the boys back home are paying attention. Just for the record, for those maybe unfamiliar, where is back home for Rhea Ripley? I'm from Adelaide, South Australia, and I used to wrestle for a little company called Riot City Wrestling. So all the boys back there are just going to – are they going to sit and watch and they're going to they're gonna see exactly what I was going to do back home. <laughs> All right, so Rhea, you've accomplished a lot since arriving in NXT. You were in the May Young Classic. You were the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. Recently, you've uh, made a few appearances on Raw and SmackDown prior to Survivor Series, but I, I want to focus on War Games right now. What went through your mind when you found out that you were going to be a part of the first ever Women's War Games? I had a lot of things really going through my mind, but the main like feeling that I had was excitement because I knew that um, all I wanted to do since being young was make history, and now I get to make it again by competing in the first ever All Women's War Games. And, um, yeah, man, I had so many thoughts going through my head, like, what stupid stuff can I do? Like, what can I get away with? Like, what weapons can I use? Like, absolutely everything you could think of was going through my mind. But, yeah, I was just pumped, and I, my mind just started rolling already with everything that I could do. Now, it's got to be exciting for you, not only for you, but the entire NXT women's division. I, I went on this show last week and said how, to me personally, as a wrestling fan, it's one of, if not my favorite parts of anything WWE right now. I mean, you've got Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, who I neglected to name. She's absolutely been blowing my mind lately. All of the women inside this War Games match, it gives me memories of back when the the four horsewomen so to speak were kind of running things in NXT and Sasha Banks versus Bailey and and Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch when that was all happening and any time the women had a first ever uh had the opportunity to to main event a takeover or anything of that nature the women went over and above to over deliver is it safe to say that you and your team and even your opponents are looking to do the same sort of thing oh definitely definitely we're not holding back at all. We're going to try and steal the show pretty much. And I reckon, I reckon we will, you know? Now that you've had a chance to, to sort of rub elbows with some of the Raw and SmackDown women, who in the future could Rhea Ripley see herself stepping into a ring against or, or making some history on a Raw and SmackDown side? That's a tough question. I really want to just face every single one of them. Um, I had a little bit of a taste with Sasha Banks the other day on SmackDown. So I wouldn't mind stepping in the ring with her and also Becky Lynch. I would love to face Becky Lynch. 
Well, here's your opportunity. The floor is yours. Why is Team Rhea going to emerge victorious at War Games, and why should everybody listening to this tune in and not miss TakeOver War Games? Well, Team Rhea, we've got a wide variety of individuals on my team. We have Mia Yim, who's one of the toughest people that I know. If you didn't see NXT the other day, I go, I'd go, i tell you now, go back and watch it, because she has some heart, and she went... <laughs> She got pushed off a ladder to the outside of the ring through another ladder. Yeah, I, I about lost my mind. I was on my couch watching that. First, the, the ladder to the face and then being launched all the way to the outside. That was absolutely nuts, man. Mia, Mia definitely tore it up the other night. And then to rock up on SmackDown just a couple of days after and be put into a match. And she's, just, she's the definition of toughness, pretty much. Um, we've got Candice LeRae. She's a little fighter. If you haven't seen her on the indies, I'd advise you to go watch her because she's absolutely nuts. And she has been in matches like this before. She's used weapons before. She's done all of it. So I definitely wanted her on my team. Then there's Tegan Knox. Now, me and Tegan, we've got some, some history together. Me being the one that she was in the match with where she tore everything in her knee pretty much. And to come back from that, twice pretty much and still put on like a good fight you know still have that heart in her and just keep going she never gives up she's resilient and that's what drove me to picking her pretty much because I need people on my team that aren't going to give up because it's going to be such a tough environment and I need them to stick through it and I guess then there's me I've been waiting for this my whole life and I'm going to bring the pain pretty much Are are there any nerves going through your mind right now yeah, there's a few, like, of course, I don't want to get injured or, like, hurt, hurt. But then at the same time, like, I have to try and forget about that because, like I said, we're going to steal the show and I got to go balls to the wall, you know? Well, I have absolutely no doubt that you and every other woman in that matchup is going to raise the bar, not only for NXT, but for women's wrestling all over the world. I cannot wait to see it. Good luck, be careful, and most importantly, have fun. You can do whatever you want. There's weapons, Rhea. I know, right? I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, good luck. I'll see you in uh, Chicago. Awesome, thank you. All right, thanks, Rhea. (laughs) See ya. Before we get to SmackDown, I said you'd hear it from me, so here it is. Okay, I've been talking for weeks. I mentioned that I wasn't going to be the only one on this here podcast platform, so I am proud. I am excited to share our first exclusive here on After the Bell, debuting Monday, December 2nd, Lookout Podcast World. It's the new day. Feel the power. Check out right now this world premiere of the New Day's podcast trailer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this brand new podcast, New Day. Feel the power. There's a duh. It's actually duh. Yeah, it's duh. Yeah, is, is that our? Yeah, yeah. You can't start new, us off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the. Well, it's a thing. I mean, that's supposed to be the introduction. Right. Of the podcast. Yeah. What, and, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't, not, we can't begin with. It's very, it's, it's, no, 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 that's not. It that might, wasn't my vision either. We talked about it. That was not my vision. When did we talk about it? When did we talk about it? We talked about doing this podcast thing. And, yeah, you know, we talked about the name, and I didn't envision it being like that. I think you should restart. Like, I think you should restart. Restart it. Restart. Okay, um, take two. Take two. Take two. Take two. Okay. Ready? Yeah, Ready? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this brand new podcast. It's titled The New Day. Feel the power. Yeah, that was much better. That was much better. 
Every week, your boys will be telling personal stories from inside and outside the ring and engaging in passionate debates on some of our favorite topics, including sports, video games, music, and more. Nothing is off limits from bootios to the birth of our children to everything in between. New episodes will be available weekly, so don't you dare be sour. Rate, review, and add Feel the Power wherever you get your podcasts. Despite what I say on television, I am very excited for Kofi, Woods, and E in this new venture. No doubt going to be entertaining, probably more entertaining than my show, which is why I'm going to do my best to get the new day here on After the Bell, the week that their podcast drops. That's December 2nd, the week of, hopefully, if I play nice, new day will be joining me right here on After the Bell. Now, on to other things, SmackDown. And of course, everyone's got opinions on what went down. I'm no different. I'm going to start at the top. A, an occurrence, if you will, that has a lot of people buzzing, some good, mostly bad. Um, of course, I'm talking about the mascot. King Corbin bringing out the big dog to fan the flames of his budding rivalry with Roman Reigns. Listen, my opinions on things vary wildly. I've been very outspoken about my disdain for the love triangle story on Monday Night Raw. So you would think Graves probably hates this too. And that's where you're wrong. But I'm going to tell you why. The lifelong wrestling fan in me sort of enjoys this because it is really, really fun listening to the vitriol and the disdain from the crowd raining down on King Corbin. And I know Corbin, he's one of my close friends, is loving every second of it. So why not take it to the next level? It is ridiculous. Yes, it is asinine. The fact that somebody comes to the ring dressed up in a dog suit just to mock Roman Reigns, it made people mad, and I think that was the plan. But here's why I like it. Here's why I'm not losing any sleep over it. We know where it's going. We know that sooner than later... Maybe not. Maybe it's not going to happen until WrestleMania at this point. But at some point, that stupid bulldog is going to get speared by Roman Reigns. Hopefully he gets Superman punched and the the mascot's head spins 360 degrees. It's going to be ridiculous. I am okay with absurdity when it's fun. It's I don't want to say safe. We know where this is going. If you've ever watched wrestling, you know exactly what happens. That dog is going to get beat up really bad. Inevitably, Roman Reigns is probably going to kick Corbin's ass. I'm okay with it. I thought it was kind of fun. I don't understand why everybody's all up in arms, but that's what we do. We complain. Elsewhere, the build towards Survivor Series continued with another appearance from Shayna Baszler, and this time the entire NXT women's locker room, apparently. Uh, some chaos as we head toward that. I can't wait for Becky versus Bailey versus Shayna at Survivor Series, provided, of course, there's anything left of Shayna after War Games the night before. But my question in all this is, where the hell's Becky Lynch been? I feel like Bailey and Shayna have been doing all the heavy lifting. I know Becky's weighed in on it, but to me, what I've seen, it just feels like Bailey versus Shayna. It's going to be awesome regardless. I'm sure when you add Becky into the fold, the match is going to be great. It's going to be exciting. It just, to me, seems more like Bailey versus Shayna than it is Bailey versus Shayna versus Becky. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not paying close enough attention. I've been accused of worst. 
But the closing moments of SmackDown saw uh, a pretty interesting interaction. Of course, we saw the Fiend Bray Wyatt attack Daniel Bryan seemingly out of nowhere a few weeks back. And the closing segment saw the Firefly Funhouse complete with brand new Universal Championship in blue. Available at WWEshop.com. I'm sure you want one for somebody for Christmas or for your wall or I don't know. There's a cheap plug. I didn't even have to do that. That's how much of a robot I am. That's how brainwashed by the WWE machine I am. I have no more original thoughts. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. So we saw what went down with Bray Wyatt leading the yes chant with Daniel Bryan in the center of the ring. You could take it at face value and it was cool. What I'm looking at is the long-term story here, which I think may have already been forgotten or not realized by a lot of fans. It took me a minute to, to really look back and think. Bray Wyatt, anytime we see The Fiend, talks about The Fiend as never forgetting. The Fiend hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten. Now, we've seen this new variation of Bray with the Firefly Funhouse, with The Fiend, the current Universal Champion. But if you look back, think back to a few years when Daniel Bryan actually infiltrated the Wyatt family at the time to get his hands on Bray Wyatt. Now, I don't know if this was intentional or if this is just a really happy accident because the stories and the programming here in WWE this day and age move so lightning fast. Sometimes I forget what happened three segments ago. So it's understandable if a lot of people don't take this into consideration. But if this really is the case, that The Fiend is here to collect on the sins committed by others in past lives or in the past just within WWE, this is really cool to me. This is a really long-term, deep wrinkle in this rivalry between Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan that may have been overlooked, may have been forgotten. Maybe that was the intention all along, and I just am not as clever as I thought I was. Maybe I'm the only one that didn't realize it. But regardless, I think it's really cool. It adds a layer of depth to The Fiend, to Bray, and it gives Daniel Bryan something else to, to really sink his teeth into. And I am excited for this matchup. I cannot wait for Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. It's going to be awesome. Daniel Bryan, I think, is probably the best professional wrestler of the last 15 years. And everything Daniel's done from, from his promos recently to conveying the emotions has been off the charts awesome. One of my personal highlights. Even the interactions with Sami Zayn and Nakamura. Um, but this is a whole bunch of good that I think we can be excited about as fans. The match is going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, kudos to this whole story, intentional or otherwise. It's kind of cool. More of this, more long-term stories. I, the fan in me, miss more than anything the ability to be able to forget things. Growing up as a fan, my favorite thing was a guy getting injured and disappearing or a guy just being written off of television for a long time to where you completely forgot that they exist. And then all of a sudden, the music hits and you jump out of your skin because you go, oh, my God, I completely forgot that this guy existed and this guy hates that guy. And it seems, you know, old school and traditional and pro wrestling 101. But I miss that. So for a story this long to be brought back full circle is really, really cool to me. And, uh, yeah, again, kudos. Hats off. I'm enjoying it. I dig it. It's fun. <laughs> G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Get a skill. 
Get a job. Get ahead. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. My next guest needs absolutely no introduction, but damn it, it's my show, and I feel like giving him one. He is a six-time WWE champion. He's a WWE Hall of Famer, the Texas Rattlesnake, the one and only Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve, how the hell are you this morning? I'm good, Corey. Good to be speaking with you, man. You are a busy, busy man. Despite not being on uh, WWE screens too frequently these days, you uh, have certainly got your hands full with a million different projects. And as I was sitting in the airport last night, my flight was delayed. I said to myself, I'm talking to Stone Cold in the morning. I could certainly use a few uh, Broken Skull IPAs. I can ship you some, Corey. We can make that happen. <laughs> we it's need to the get best them in. IPA in America. That's my opinion anyway. How did, how did this come to be? How did you get your own beer? I kind of started getting away from light beers that I drank for 30 years. Just kind of started experimenting with craft beers. I started off with some pale ales, kind of, you know, got into those. And I tried my first IPA, which is a little hop heavy. And I said, man, maybe that's a little bit too much. But then I went back to the pale ales. And then I said, you know what? I kind of miss that IPA. So, you know, long story short, I was supposed to be in the beer business a long time ago. So I hooked up with a local brewery in Los Angeles, and we wanted to collaborate on a beer. And so myself and the owner, Rob, sat across from each other at the table, had about 12, 15 beers there, and we went through those beers and came up with the flavor, and we hit the formula on the first try, which is damn near impossible. And we really started pushing that. And we really got a lot of traction. We were down there in Tampa, and uh, now we're predominantly on the West Coast, but we're also in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. And in uh, 2020, we're looking to expand in six to eight more states. So I've been a beer drinker my whole life, been in the beer business. It's interesting to see the other side of just tipping up a can and drinking it. So it's been a lot of fun. And as everybody knows, beer is a huge passion of mine. I share that same passion. I, I can't wait to actually try it. When you were at the Garden that night, uh, there were a few of them being passed around backstage, and I, of course, was there till the very end of the show, and I missed out. So I was a little bummed out. So I'll take a rain check on that one. Man, I'll bring some extras, Corey. Beautiful. And, and while we're talking about the Garden, I want to thank you personally, the fan in me, the fan of this business my whole life. I can honestly say I don't ever recall feeling the electricity like I felt when the glass shattered in Madison Square Garden and you made your entrance. Steve, I swear to God, that was as loud as I've ever heard an arena. It was absolutely awesome to be a part of. So thank you. Man, we've had a couple of those going back through the years. And, you know, as long as I've been away, Corey, wrestling is probably, man, I don't hate to say it, it's just kind of the way it is. My number one passion in life. I mean, you know, it's, I love it as much as anything I do or did. And I had to ride off in the sunset sooner than I would have liked. And so, you know, I've been gone for a long time. But when you go back and you get the response that I, I'm able to get, I mean, a lot of times they set the table for me. But, you know, to, to hear that glass break and hear that crowd blow the roof off the building, it is an absolute thrill. It takes me back to the days when I was still competing inside the squared circle in a business that I truly love. And I'm so thankful for WWE, you know, putting so much hard work into, you know, the character, the storylines, feuding with Vince, Brett, Rock, everybody that I feuded with. So I love the fans. And I guess, it, you know, uh, it goes to thanking them the most for remembering me. You are still coming back into the WWE fold in another capacity, a new venture, so to speak premiering immediately following Survivor Series this Sunday, only on the WWE Network. It is the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you are coming out of the gate strong with this one, the white whale, so to speak. You <laughs> sat down with The Undertaker. Yeah, I did. And, man, it turned into a very long, 
broken skull session, and you, I could also throw BS in there. I mean, because we were shooting the breeze <laughs> about a lot of things. It was interesting to sit down with Taker and hear Mark talk because, man, that's one of the greatest gimmicks, probably the greatest gimmick in the history of the business. So, man, just to be sitting across the table from the guy, and he's just a normal guy, but you'd never know it by looking at the body of work that he put in, the level of toughness that he showed through a 30-year career, and how he reinvented himself along the way. So, man, that would happen fast, and I hope I did him justice. But we had a blast, uh, you know, on the first show, right out of the gate with The Undertaker. I don't think we could have started with a better guest, and it was just a, a, a real pleasure to get a chance to – because there, there in the beginning of the uh, show, I, you know, I, I, I tell you – you know, as long as I've known Undertaker, you know, I, I didn't really know him that well because we traveled in different circles and I was kind of Lone Wolf McQuaid and he had his kind of click. And we, we, you know, it, it was a chance for me to get to know the man just as well as it's going to be for everybody else. And uh, he just has a fascinating story. I'm excited about the uh, opportunity to be back on the WWE Network. They've surrounded me with an outstanding team. And so I'm very thankful for the uh, opportunity. It's obvious how much respect you have for this business and, and the passion that you have. Was there any sort of nervousness realizing like the magnitude that you're the guy that gets to sit down and get behind The Undertaker, this legendary character? Well, yeah, yeah a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you because it was the first one out of the gate. I'm used to sitting in there just doing my one-man podcast, doing my thing, shooting the breeze. All, all of a sudden, you throw all the production value that WWE throws in this thing, and then it looks like a million bucks. It, it takes it to a whole other level. So you, you want to do the best you can, but also you're taken aback just a little bit. So I think we worked through that. I'm proud of it and, and looking forward to it. But again, you know, uh, thanks for the opportunity to from WWE and thanks to the team they surround me on. But to answer your question, yeah, uh, a little bit of nerves going on there. Well, I've seen a few short clips floating around here at the TV studio. Uh, without giving too much away, what, what's one of your favorite parts or what's something that really stands out to you before this thing launches on Sunday? Just Mark's take on things. Some of the key moments in his in his career, who he would ask for advice when when he came in this, you know, having the goal of establishing the character before going out there and having you know some of the best matches in the history of WrestleMania, some of those ma matches with uh, HBK and Triple H. So establishing the character and what it took to do that, and realizing that this was a long haul, and you know, uh, you know, Taker was always a big athletic guy before he got this. Uh, wonderful character and what he had to do to mold and make that character stand out rather than just being a guy out there, you know, putting together a bunch of athletic moves. So he kind of goes into his formula and his secret and how he always had his finger on the pulse as far as what he needed to do when he needed to do it. That's awesome. I cannot wait to check this thing out from start to finish. How long did you guys actually shoot? Because I mean, we know things here in WWE, a lot gets left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Like I said, that this is this is the first episode, so we probably talked for four hours, and so we whittle it down. And with with everything that we talked about, there's room for another two hour discussion of just hardcore by the numbers questions. You cannot cover, in my opinion, a thirty year career in one session with that guy. What are the odds uh, we get a few more broken skull sessions in the future? Is this something you're looking to do more of? We've got a couple in the can, so as long as it's successful, man, I'm home. Awesome. Awesome. Love hearing Stone Cold's busy. Where can uh, where can we find your personal podcast? Man, my uh, personal podcast is on Podcast One. I, I don't know if iTunes is still around. It's basically on every uh, major platform that a podcast that can be listened to. And they drop a new show every Tuesday. 
and my classics, they still play on Thursdays because I have uh, six or 700 shows. They still play those old ones. People still listen to them. But uh, slow down to once a week on that. It makes it easier for, for me when I go into production on different things that I'm involved in. Check out the Stone Cold Podcast. Do not miss the first ever edition of the Broken Skull Sessions airing immediately following Survivor Series this coming Sunday only on the WWE Network. And if you're in the area, find Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA and enjoy Survivor Series. Enjoy the Broken Skull Sessions. Steve, I am looking forward to uh, running into you again, sharing a couple beers and listening to some stories. And uh, you are welcome anytime here on After the Bell. Hey, man, uh, congratulations on your podcast. I know you'd be a natural for it. Sounds like you're having a good time. Obviously, you've got great content, great access to uh, guests, and you're so close to the storylines because of what you do. So it just seems like a seamless, natural fit for you. So congratulations, and love to share a beer or two with you, or three, whenever we can. Hey, I'll, I'll have as many as you want to share with me. Just make sure I don't have to do the podcast in the morning because I feel a little rough. You know, i got to have my brain functioning. <laughs> Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Corey. Best of luck. Stone Cold Steve Austin, ladies and gentlemen. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't have some goosebumps right now, as well as I've gotten to know Stone Cold over the years. There's always going to be a part of me that's a little kid and a thrill to talk to one of my all-time favorites. Honest to God, what I have seen of the Broken Skull Sessions has been off the hook. Do not miss this. It is worth a subscription of WWE Network in and of itself. Oh, not to mention it happens right after Survivor Series, so don't miss that. So I want to thank Steve once again. I want to thank the Viper Randy Orton and Rhea Ripley for calling in and hanging out for a few minutes. Uh, Make sure you follow us at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join the conversation. Use the hashtag After the Bell. I swear I've been following along on uh, Twitter checking out the good, the bad, and the ugly of what people think of the show. I'm trying to make it the best I can for you guys. We all are. Follow me at WWE Graves. You know, we'll interact. Maybe I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me. Otherwise, maybe I'll make fun of you and embarrass you in front of the whole world. And uh, subscribe to ATB. Subscribe to After the Bell. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Help get the word out. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or whatever app you use to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. What a wild day, as they so often are. Let's calm things down a little bit. How about a little bit of zen? Lao Tzu says, when you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. This has been an original WWE podcast.